right, so we're talking about money in the month of September, and everybody's so excited about it. Money is one of those topics that is hard to talk about in church. It's also hard to listen to somebody talk about it in church. But the Bible is filled with truth and principles and wisdom about finances. Jesus had more to say about money than anybody else in the whole Bible. Jesus said one thing that was so powerful. He said, wherever your money is, that's going to show where your heart is. Whatever we do with our money reveals our heart. We can say all kinds of things about money and and we can say all kinds of things about what our priorities are. But where we put our money shows where our heart is. So that's what we're talking about. We are living in a very, very unstable time economically. I um, was reading in the News and Observer this week and... uh, this uh, Vernacki guy, I think he's the, like the Treasury Secretary, is that right? You people who keep up with that stuff? And uh, he's from South Carolina. That could be the whole problem. I'm just kidding about that. I'm kidding about that. So Vernacki, <laughs> Dillon, South Carolina, actually. So, so uh, anybody go there and get married? All right. So you got Vernacki, uh, the News Observer. And I was reading what he said, and he said, this is how insure everybody is. This, this was in the paper this week. Front page, News and Observer. It said, Vernacki says, the recession is over. And then right underneath that in parentheses, it said, I think. They don't know, man. It's totally a time like it's never been economically. And if we've ever looked to Jesus and looked to the Word of God, We need to do that today. Look at the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do. We're talking about what to do when the economy stinks. Jesus actually spoke very directly about the economy. And he was very simple and very uncomplicated when he talked about it. How many of you all have seen these people come on press conferences and news conferences, and they're talking about the economy, and when they get through, you go, what? did they just say? What did they just say? I have no idea what they just said. Am I supposed to feel good about that? How am I supposed to feel about that? Jesus was just crystal clear. Jesus said, in the time of bad economy, when the economy stinks, he said, don't worry. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. He said, while other people are worrying about where they're going to get food, he said, you, my kids... Don't worry. He said, while other people are freaking out about how they're going to pay their bills and how they're going to get clothes and how they're going to stay in their house, he said, you, my kids, don't freak out about that. He said, that is what the unbelievers do. You are my kids. So he says, what you need to do is simply put me first and obey the things I say. Pretty simple, huh? And that's what he said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Put me first, obey the things I say, and stop worrying. And that is what God's calling us to do today. We're talking about five things in the Word of God. Five things God wants us to do if we want His hand on our finances. I don't know about you all. 
but I want his hand on my finances. Amen? Don't you want God's hand on your financial life? Don't you want God uh, uh, holding you and holding all that you own right in the palm of his hand? And so we're talking about what to do if you want that. Now, let me tell you that before I go into those five ways, that really the very first step to God having his hand on your finances is that you give him your heart. If you're here this morning and you have not asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you have not repented, if you have not, you know what the word repent means? It's, an, it's a military term, really. It means to do an about face. And God is calling on you to do an about face. God is calling on everyone here who has not done it yet, who are walking in the ways of the enemy, walking in the ways of their own human desires, walking away from him to do an about face and walk toward him. That's what repentance means. It means to turn around and go in the other direction. If you're here today, you might say, I'm a good person. I work hard. I depend on myself. I don't depend on other people to take care of me. I take care of my family. I'm good to my family. Blah, blah, blah. work, you know, and I'm nice to people, and I don't curse, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. I mean, I'm clean. You know, I am a clean. That's wonderful. That's great if that's true about you. But that is not what makes you right with God. Your own personal goodness does not make you right with God. The only way you and God can get reconnected is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so our encouragement to you this morning is that you come to Jesus, the one who created you. You say, I've read Genesis. It doesn't say anything about Jesus creating me. Go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, we almost named our coffee Hebrews. Anyway, um, it's a, a coffee shop. But um, go to the book of Hebrews. It will tell you that Jesus was there at creation and Jesus created us. He was there when we were formed, when we were made, when Adam and Eve were put on this earth. Jesus didn't just show up in Bethlehem. Jesus always has been, is, and always will be. And a debt had to be paid for your sin. Because of Adam and Eve, sin was passed down on all of us. So a debt had to be paid. We owed a debt and we couldn't pay it. So Jesus paid it on the cross. He was buried to be forgotten, but three days later he rose from the dead, all for you. So in order for you to be in fellowship with God, you have to accept what Jesus did for you. But then you have to understand that he has risen from the dead and you accept him personally into your life. You know, at church a lot of times, people speak what we call Christianese. They use a lot of words that you might not understand because maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. We use words like born again. We use words like, you know, saved. Have you been saved? And simply, when we use those words, that's what it means. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Because that is how you reconnect back with God. Now, once you do that, once you reconnect with God through his son Jesus by repentance and confession of your sin and coming before him and saying, God, I can't save myself. I need a savior. And you are born again. Those are the words Jesus used in John chapter 3. 
and you are saved. Those are the words Paul used and others in Scripture used when they talked about a person coming to Christ. When you do that, then you can begin to claim all of the promises of God and you can begin to apply the principles that God uh, had there for his children. And these are principles that apply to his kids. So your first step is to come to Christ. And we hope you'll do that. We're going to be here this morning after the service to pray for anyone who wants prayer. If you, if you don't understand what I just said and you want to talk more, I'm going to hang around up here at the front. We'll talk with you and pray with you. We want you to find Jesus. We want you to accept Jesus. Whitley Church cannot save you. Farrell Hardison cannot save you. We will baptize you so many times the tadpoles will know your social security number. And I have no idea what that means. However, that will not save you. Water baptism doesn't save you. Water baptism is something you do after you've made a commitment to Jesus. Am I, am I preaching the truth today? And so we want you to come to know him. You say, well, I don't really like this church and I don't really like the style y'all have. That's fine. That's fine. Different strokes for different folks. But find a church that declares the word of God without compromise where you feel comfortable and serve him. Serve the Lord. It's all about the kingdom and the people said... All right, five things to do if you want God's hand on your finances. Everybody repeat after me. I want God's hand on my money. Amen, amen. Well, how do we do that? Number one, dedicate it all to him. I didn't say give it all, so don't fall out of your chair. I said dedicate it all. Take everything, 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 and bring it before God as an offering. Look what it says in Romans 12 and 1. It says, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You're saying, God, all that I am, all that I possess, all of my spiritual gifts, my calendar, my schedule, my children, my marriage, my career, my money, my social life, my vacation life, every part of me, God, I dedicate it to your glory and your honor. See, you can't live for God's honor in one area of your life and dishonor God in another area of your life. It doesn't work. Anybody ever tried that? Sure, we all have from time to time. It doesn't work. Every part of your life, bring it before God as an offering. I'm going to make a statement here that I've made several times, but if you get this, you don't get anything outside of my series on money, I want you to get this statement right here. Whatever you want God to bless, dedicate that to him. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, dedicate it to him. You want him to bless your marriage? You're struggling there? Have a dedication service. You say, well, that old rascal won't um, pray with me. Then pray by yourself and dedicate your marriage to God. You having trouble with your kids? Wait till everybody leaves or maybe you and your spouse? Just get down on your knees and just dedicate that child to God. Whatever. Struggling in your job, career? Been laid off, having financial trouble, then bring, hold your checkbook up as a symbol and say, God, I dedicate everything to you. Because how much of it is already his? All of it. 
So dedicate it all to him. Have a prayer of dedication with your family. Number two, give the first part back to God. Now, in the first one I said dedicate. Now I'm talking about the stuff you really materially in your hand. Put it in. Give it. We're talking about tithing here. You might say, well, I don't believe in tithing. I don't either. I think you ought to give more than 10%. So I'm with y'all on that one. Amen. So good. All right. So you know what 10% is? A minimum. Thank you, Steph. God bless you. For the rest of you, I still love you. All right. Give the first part back to God. You say, where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns. Don't have any barns. Get some. <laughs> Fill your barns to overflow. Now, in the context of this verse, they were all farmers back then. The word husbandman in the church means farmer. Just about everybody back then farmed or, or did something with the land. If it wasn't to uh, raise their crops and sell them, it was to raise them so they'd have food in their house. So everybody back then you know, was into farming. And so they used that illustration that he'll fill your barns. How, how much will he fill them? What? To what? Overflow. Now let me tell you something. If God didn't mean that, God wouldn't have said that. You say, well, this is for some people, but I don't think it's... A, uh, no, if God didn't mean it, God wouldn't have said it. I think sometimes we read stuff in the Bible and we think, isn't that a nice little saying? It's not a nice little saying. You say, I cross-stitched that and put it on my wall. Wonderful. It's the Word of God. It's God talking. I love cross-stitching stuff. It's pretty. It's nice. It's but sometimes we treat the Bible like a, a good saying or, a, or a, a, a motivational quote. It's not. It is the living Word of the living God. And God said, if you will give me the first part... Not after you've paid all your bills, you won't have any left. So you give the first part of all your income. And then he says, if you'll do that, I will see your love for me. I'll see your obedience. I'll see your trust. I'll see all that. And I'm just going to bless you back way over that little 10% that you gave me. Isn't that all? That's a good deal. It's better than blue light special. Deuteronomy 14, 23. You say, well, why? Why does God do that? Why? Here's why. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. That's why. God doesn't need our money. God isn't up there going, all right, I can't do the things I promised I'd do if you guys don't pay your tithe. God, he doesn't need one penny of your money. So what is it he's wanting? He wants the part that 10% represents, and that's your heart. He wants your heart. He wants you. It's you he's after. It's you, he's not after your money, he's after you. And he knows what you do with your money, it's so important. Three reasons we tithe, to express, express gratitude for the past. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Also, when you put that tithe in the offering this morning, you were saying, God, not only about the past, but today you're first in my life. So it sets the priorities for today. And it also expands our faith for the future because when you put that offering in there you're saying God in your word you promise that if I will be faithful in my time you will take care of me in the future 
Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 34, that I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon. He says, if you will be faithful in your, your tithe and faithful in your giving to me and obey me in that area, I'm going to take care of you when everybody else is in famine, when everybody else is in a mess, I'm going to look after you. That's the promise of God. Hear the word of the Lord today. What is the challenge? Well, challenge is called offering fit for a king. It is two weeks from today. It is October 3rd. We're asking everybody to tithe. Now I've told you all, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but about 20% of our people here tithe. Here's what we're asking on this day, on this day, October 3rd. We're asking you to tithe on that day. Now here's why we're asking you to tithe. Because God said in Malachi chapter 3, test me. So we want to give you a chance to test him. We want to give you a chance to obey God. Now, we give you that chance really every Sunday. But we're going to give you that chance on October 3rd. We're just calling on our church family. Everybody, get with your family, sit down with your wife, sit down with your kids and go, listen, we're going to tithe today. Now, we've been dropping 20 in the plate or we've been dropping, you know, 10 in the plate. But on this Sunday, we're going to tithe. We're going to tithe to our church and we're going to tithe unto the Lord and we're, gonna, we're just going to participate in the offering fit for a king. And then God said, test me and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. Now, now I'm not saying that's going to be a financial blessing, but here's what I am saying. When you tithe, God blesses you where you need to be blessed most. Now, if you ask us where we need to be blessed most, what are we going to say nine times out of ten? Money. Money, 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 money. Money. Okay. That's what we're going to say. But God goes, you know what? You don't need money. I know stuff you need more than money, and I'm going to bless you where you need it most. Hallelujah. He knows our greatest need. And that's where you're going to get helped, and that's where you're going to get blessed. Now, folks, this is not fairy tale stuff. I'm telling you, this is the word of the living God. Now, if you are a tither, I'm asking you to bring a little something, something on top of your tithe, and, and let's give something extra. If you're not a tither, I'm asking you to tithe on October 3rd. Okay? And let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in your life. Every year we do this, and every year I get phone calls from people who say, Pastor, I will never stop tithing. I'm telling you, Pastor, when I tested God that day, I thought we couldn't do it. I thought we couldn't tithe, and I didn't realize how much I was putting our family under a curse. I didn't realize how much I was holding back the blessing of God and the, and the power of God in my family and in my life. Pastor, I will always tithe from this day on. We get those calls every year. We challenge you to tithe on October 3rd. So if you didn't get my letter, make sure you pick up a letter on your way out today. Now, what are the results of tithing? Well, we talked about this last week, but I want to go over it again. When you tithe, you are promoting the work and the will of God in the world, in your community, through the local church. And God's pleased with that. The second reason you tithe is because it opens up the blessing of God in your life. It provides the blessing of God in your life. I think we've got those four things listed on a, on a um, slide, guys. And so 
the promotion of the will of God, the promotion of the work of God, the provision of God's blessing, and number three, the protection of God's hand. He says in Malachi 3, he's talking to those farmers. He said, if you will give me 10%, one dime out of every dollar, he said, I will put my hand over your crop. And the bugs will not eat your crop and the grapes will not fall off before they're supposed to. And, and he goes on and on about how he's going to protect them. And then he says that tithing will lead to the proclamation of God's goodness. And what that means is when, when the world out there, the lost, those who don't know Christ, when they see you getting blessed, they're going to say, there must be a God. I mean, why are you getting blessed? We're going through this economic difficult time. Why are you getting blessed? God, uh, they're going to say, I want some of that in my life. What must I do to be blessed like that? And you're going to be able to say, well, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I give God 10 cents out of every dollar. That's all I do. And God just takes care of me. And that makes unbelievers want what we have. Amen, amen. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, let's talk about saving for the future. Let's talk about what the Bible says about you saving money. So we've talked about you got to pay God first. You pay God first. Then God says pay yourself second. God says pay me first and pay yourself second. So we're going to talk about paying you. I know some of you are wanting to go, oh, pay me, you know? So God says in the Word of God. Matter of fact, there's a ton of stuff in the Bible, and I'm not going to cover it all because we don't have time, but there's a ton of stuff in the Bible about you paying yourself and about you saving. Now, I've got to tell you all something. If I'd heard this kind of preaching when I was 20 years old, I'd have a whole lot more money than I got right now. Now, I want all you young people out there to listen to me. If you get hold of this and you start giving God 10 cents out of every dollar and you start giving yourself 10 cents out of every dollar, God's going to bless you and protect you. It's going to cause lost people to want to come to Christ. And not only that, but you are going to, uh, you're going to have what you need for the future. You're going to be building up reserves for yourself for the future. You don't have to save a lot. It doesn't have to be a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. If all you can do is $10 a month or $10 a week, just kind of having that taken out of your check and set aside in a little interest-bearing account, I'm telling you it will change your life. And the younger you are, the more powerful that is. And we're going to talk about that. How many of you, I'm 52 years old. I'm going to say that as long as I can. I'm going to be 53 in less than a month. <laughs> so I'm going to say 52 a lot in the next few days. But I want to tell you, how many of y'all wish when you were 20 years old you had heard this and done it? Amen, amen? So you young people here this morning, you young adults, see those hands up. You're hearing something this morning that will set you free financially. It'll set you free, and we're talking about saving. God first, 10 cent out every dollar. Yourself second, before you pay any bills. This is called the principle of interest. Now, God has some IQ tests throughout the Bible. IQ tests, what I call them IQ tests. Here's why I call them IQ tests. Because God says, if you do this, you are wise. And if you do this, you are dumb. Amen? God goes, if you build your house on the sand, you are dumb. If you build your house on the rock, you are dumb. So there are many illustrations throughout Scripture where he goes, a wise man does this, a doofus does this. All right, doofus, that's the Greek word. All right. 
Proverbs 21.20. The wise man saves for the future. The doofus. And they're all in the second service, I know. Spends whatever he gets. Now, y'all, Dave Ramsey didn't say that. I love me some Dave, Dave Ramsey now. I love Dave Ramsey. But Dave Ramsey didn't say that. God said that. God said, if you save for the future, you are wise. If you do not, you are foolish. You are foolish. Did you know the Japanese save 25% of their income? The average Japanese saves 25% of his income. The average European saves 18% of his income, and the average American saves 5% of his or her income. You know why that is? Because we live in the land of plenty. And those of us who live in the land of plenty, we live, we have a tendency to live for the day. Today. We live for the day that we're in. Got to have it when? Right now. Got to have it right now. Now here's why we often do that. Y'all listening? The reason we often do that is because, not that we need it, but because somebody else has got that. And we want one with a little extra thingy thingy on it that they don't have on theirs. And we want one with a little more chrome, a little shinier than theirs. Because we got to keep up appearances. Amen, amen, amen. Now we're locked in our house and can't go to eat at McDonald's because we're scraping every penny we can get together to make the payment on those little pretty things. Amen, amen. But at least our neighbors think we got money. Now, I don't know what y'all think when I see people who've got, I just think, man, what kind of debt are they in? Amen? I mean, I don't go there rich. I mean, I know pretty much what people around Goldsboro make, and I go, it's got to be killing them. Amen? And, and, and we've, listen, stop worrying about what people think, about what you drive and what you live in and what you wear. Stop worrying about it. You are, you are going to be freer than they are, even though you don't have all the little shiny, pretty, unbelievable stuff that you don't need. Can I preach like that? I'm going to do it anyway. Self-evaluation question. Here it is. This question will dramatically increase your ability to save more money. I'm about to give you something that if you don't listen to anything else I say, get this. And then you can check out. Don't leave. Just check out in your mind. Because we won't be able to count you when we count. All right, here we go. If you ask yourself this question, every time you start to buy something, you're going to find enormous reserves to put away in savings that you never had before. All you got to do is say, do I really have to have this? Right before you buy something, say, do I really have to have this? Do I really have to have this? When you go to the Target, when you go to the Walmart, when you go to the food line, when you go to the dollar store, ask yourself when you're reaching, hear my voice. May the voice of Pharaoh come back into your mind. And as you're reaching for that thing you do not have to have. You know where I do that more than anywhere else? Sam's. You can buy a 50-gallon drum of peanut butter at Sam's. 
got to get it out with a shovel. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> I've probably bought more stuff I don't need from Sam's than anywhere else. I got t-shirts. They're just six dollars. I've got t-shirts I bought a year ago that still have the stickers on them. You know what I looked at when I went to Sam's yesterday? T-shirt! <laughs> and I heard myself say, do you really have to have that? Do I really have to have this sweater? I mean, we're coming into the fall, and they're putting the stuff out, buddy. And you got a closet full of clothes that you don't wear half the time. And you're going to see all these clothes when you get to Belks and when you get to all these other stores. And you're going to walk through there and go, that is so pretty. I just got to have that. <laughs> no, you don't. Matter of fact, I've seen some of the sweaters y'all wear and you were on drugs when you bought it. Have you ever looked at a sweater in your closet and gone, what was I thinking? <laughs> you do not have to have the car you think you got to have. And if I got car salesman here, God, I ain't trying to hurt your feelings. You don't have to have that CD. You don't really? 24-hour gospel, three 24-hour gospel channels we can reach most of the time in our, four really, four. Got a brand new FM one in Smithfield now, 1270. I'm telling you, you don't have to have that jacked up cell phone. That trans, it's like a transformer. You press a button, it goes. Good morning. You know, I don't need a, Whatever happened to, I just want to talk to somebody. Whatever happened to that? And what, will y'all explain something to me? It looks like to me that we would have had texting, texting first and then go, hey, they're coming out with one. You can actually just call somebody and talk to them. <laughs> but we got it backwards. You can just call somebody and talk to them, but we don't do that. We type every letter of every word. What is wrong with us? <laughs> and I thought texting just was a part of my plan, you know? So people were texting me and I was texting them back. And my bill comes in and it was a quarter of text. And then I found out texting cost them nothing. <laughs> Man. Do I really have to have this? Just when you're in that, you know, U.S. sailors who I'm with, you walk in that store. I mean, they got phones up there. Man, you need like a belt just to carry this bad boy. I think that's called a laptop. <laughs> Man. Look at this phone here I got. I got at this phone. That thing is bad. It's $400 a month. Yeah. 
And then that same guy comes up to the altar and goes, anoint me and pray for me. I have financial trouble. Well, yeah, you got a laptop strapped to your waist. Here's what I'm going to start praying. God, give this person brains. Amen. Every time you spend money on something, that's money that's not going into savings. The reason we aren't saving is because we're spending it on stuff we don't have to have. Just because you can afford something, guess what? Big news, big news. You don't have to buy it. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you have to buy it. I can afford it. Oh, great. But you, don't, you might not need it. You should be putting it away, saving it. I read that because of the economic downturn, 25% of Americans this year have decided not to go on a vacation. 22% have decided not to go out to dinner as often. 20% have decided not to buy a new car. You know what the Bible calls that? Wisdom. Wisdom. Planning ahead is wise. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 11. Money that comes easily disappears How? But money that is gathered, look at that, look at that, little by little. You don't have to do a whole lot. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. You can really set it up at your local bank where they will take money out of your account and put it in a little savings account for you. And you can just, you can just not see that money, pretend you don't make that money. And that money is being set aside and it's growing. It's growing little by little. Consistency. Consistency. You don't have to save enormous amounts just little by little on a consistent basis. And over time it adds up. When you save, your money works for you. When you don't save, you're always working for your money. When you save, your money becomes your slave. When you don't save, you are always a slave to your money. That's powerful principle right there. It's a big difference. How many of y'all ever heard of compound interest? It's a beautiful thing. If you put $100 in savings, and over time you make $10, so now instead of $100, you got $110, well, then it starts paying interest not on the $100 that you put in, but now it's paying interest on $100. So you're making interest on your interest. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Go in and talk to your banker. Talk to, talk to our guys here, Justin Moyer, Matt Chestnut. Sit down with those guys. They will help you know where to put your money so that you can get the best interest rate and it won't be, it won't be um, risky. You won't lose it. And right now, interest rates aren't very good. They're not very good, but you're also not paying real high interest rates when you're buying things. So that, that kind of helps, you know. But, but over time, see, interest rates on the money you have in savings are going to go up and down. But over time, when you make interest on your interest and you start making that compound interest, I'm telling you, the Bible says, not Pastor Hardison, but the Bible says it will grow. Money that is made quickly uh, or money that is made easily will click, quickly vanish. But money that is made little by little over time, that is uh, what we're wanting to do. It will grow, okay? Now, I'm going to read this to you right out of the Bible, so don't be offended. Look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 as we close. You lazy fool. 
I've always wanted to say that to y'all, okay? But I never could until I found it in the Bible. All right. <clears throat> you lazy fool, look at an ant. A little ant, a little bug, ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, watch summer. Summer is when there's plenty of food. Summer is when the grapes and the food is heavy on the vine, when there's plenty. All summer long, it um, stores up. What does that mean? It is what? Saving. Stores up food at harvest. It stockpiles or saves provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. I didn't say that. Dave Ramsey didn't say that. Ron Blue didn't say that. Matt Chestnut, Justin Moyer didn't say that. God said that. That's powerful right there. In Antville, they know that the economy's not always going to be up. Well, you know, in America, I think we think the economy's always going up. It isn't always going up, and we know that right now, don't we? It's always going to go down. What goes up, come on, y'all, must come down. That's all I know, but I know that. <laughs> what goes up must come down. So you save every day. When the economy's good, if you got a little extra coming in, save more. Call the bank, say, hey, kick that up 50 bucks a month, or kick that up 100 bucks. I'm doing kind of good right now. Kick that up while it's summer. Summer, while there's fruit on the vine, while things are going. So when winter comes, I may have to call you back and tell you to drop it back down to the 25 a month or drop back down to the $100 a month savings I was putting in there. But right now, while this summer, and then you know what? You're going to be fine in bad times. That's what the Word of God teaches. I know a lot of people who have a much bigger brain than an ant, but they're not very smart like an ant. They have no cushion in their life. They have no margin, no savings. God says it's unwise. Studies show that the average American, when it comes time to retire, are going to be flat broke. God says if you want my blessing on your finances, if you want my blessing on your finances, if you want my hand on your money, dedicate it all to me, give me 10 cents out of every dollar, and give yourself 10 cents. Let me tell you what savings does, and I know I'm over my time, but let me tell you what savings does. When you save, instead of buying something you want, and you take that money, and you know what, I'm not going to buy that thing, I'm going to put it in savings. Here's what you're, you're saying to yourself. <clears throat> Flesh, you do not rule me. The Holy Spirit rules me. You do not rule me. Listen, when you, when you say... To yourself, when you have cravings, and when you have lust, and when you have temptations, and when you have desires, and you look that thing in the eye and go, no, 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 I'm not doing that. You are saying, my cravings, my human cravings do not rule my life. 
And look, that's across the board. I'm going to just say a word right here, and I don't even know why I'm saying this. It really doesn't fit in with the rest of my sermon. But you guys out there that are struggling with pornography, and you, you just pouring into your house through that internet screen, you listen to me. You need to go in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the resurrection in the grave, I say I will never look at that stuff again. Are y'all listening to me this morning? I'm telling you, the church needs to address this. We need to look at those temptations. We need to look at those pull, that lure of the flesh. Even when we're in those stores and that's going, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this. May you hear Pastor Farrell's voice go, have you really got to have that? I mean, I hope. I had a lady tell me, she said, Thursday night when church was over, she said, I went to Target. She said, I was going down the aisle at Target. And every time I reached out to get something, I heard you go, have you really got to have that? She said, and I didn't buy as much stuff. Of course, they don't have anything to eat today, but still. No, I understand. So, so guys, let the Spirit of God rule in your life. You're a Christian. Let the Spirit of God rule. Now, if you don't know Christ, we'd like to introduce you to him. We're not going to embarrass you. Matter of fact, here's what I want. I want my media guys to listen. I want, I want some music after I pray, and we're going to release everybody to go. But I want it to remain very, very um, sacred around the altar. So as you're leaving, I want you to leave with reverence. Because I, I believe there are some people that are going to come. And you might want prayer <coughs> Excuse me, in the area of your finances. I'm going to ask some of my prayer girls, ladies, will you all hang around with me? And we're going to be up here to pray for you. Well, listen, listen. Farrell Hardison, Pastor Farrell, Whitley Church, the staff, we want you to be free. We want you to be free in every way. God is not into bondage. God's into freedom. And we want you to be free. You say, well, I think really we're going to go to another church. Fine. Whatever sets you free. Whatever sets you free, man. We want you to be free. We love you. God does not want you bound. He does not want you bound with porn. He does not want you bound financially. He does not want you bound uh, with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. He, he wants you free. He wants you free. Hear the word of the Lord today. Father, thank you for this time. We pray you bless us now as we depart in Jesus' name. Amen. Visitors.